Welcome back to I've Been Hornswoggled. I am Harena, your host of um, another Van Diary. I have, uh, we, we got inflicted with the crud for the past two weeks, so we did not go out of our house or to school or any of that. We just hibernated and all that jazz. So we're back. I'm in the van and I am thinking about my latest entry and I thank you for coming back and listening. Um, I believe I talked about going no contact and I think I'm going to stay on that theme but come up with some of the things that I realized. You go through like um, a self-realization when you are dealing with um, going no contact from a narcissist. So I think the biggest hurdle that we had, the first biggest hurdle we had, was actually um, not feeling guilty about, and I think I mentioned this before, not feeling guilty about li living our lives, going places, um, Real, you don't realize how much a parasitic person had control over you until you remove it with a big pair of tweezers, <laughs> just pluck them out of your life. And you don't realize how ingrained they were in every facet of your life until you remove them. And that can go with just, you know, a, a breaking up with someone or starting a new job or a empty nest syndrome. Like anytime there's change in your life, yeah, it takes a little bit to acclimate and to move forward. But it's different with a narcissist, especially where um, I was schooled in was the covert narcissist because it, it felt like where that cliche, oh, the rug was pulled out from underneath my feet. It definitely, when you're dealing with a covert, it's that way because they're so diabolical that you never, never, never once would have suspected that it was them. They were the last person on the who could it be list. <laughs> they were the last person. And I think that was the biggest mind. Like, like obviously going through the motions and living your life and removing guilt. But the biggest mind screw was going, I can't believe they did this to me for so long. And when it is apparent or like a sibling, somebody like in your family. I don't know if it's just um, the cliche stuff that we that they breed into our us to make us feel like our life is normal with them. You know that whole I hate this terms. You'll, you're gonna find out you hate the terms that, that the cliches that go around you here. Like blood is thicker than water. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure it is. No, they say that in a way. They'll tell you these things. I remember um, my mom just hammering home like we that we were this perfect family. And I felt like I was completely bamboozled. I was hornswoggled just growing up. And it sucks, man, when you're a kid growing up in a covert narcissist environment because you're a kid. You know, I think it was Dr. Romney who said... Um, 
being a kid is like um, a hostage situation. You know, like you need your parents. You have to rely on them. You hopefully on the roulette wheel of parents didn't get too sucky of parents because it's like you don't get to choose them. So you get what you get. It is what it is, right? So I think that has made it when you have covert narcissist parents, it's even worse from my experience because I didn't expect them to be the my abusers in that way and I didn't know that they the their treatment of my sister and I you don't really have anything to compare it to to go yeah this isn't normal so I should rebuke this because I, I think back to my 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 kids my friends not my kids my my friends in my childhood and I'm like wow their parents kind of suck too I think that's why I went off under the radar I think if I had friends that had decent parents I could have had something to compare it to but when even your friends parents are a little sketchy you're like eh, I could see why I was a uh, hornswoggled for so long because I didn't really have any decent parents to compare it to you know when you're growing up in the 80s and 90s that was the whole latchkey generation. You had the, the whole, you know, you fall down, get up. You know, like there was no, nothing. <laughs> there was no sugar to help the medicine go down, so to say, in, in my uh, experience. So I really didn't have anything to compare it to. And if anything, that I think was one of the hardest things to remove from my mind is to go, you know what? You've been lied to your entire life. There's nothing you can do about it right now, but go back through your life and see, expose all the lies, and then make sure you're not carrying over any of their lies, <laughs> uh, whether it be about you, whether it be about your childhood, whether it be about relationships that you've had with other people, because I think that that is the biggest pill to swallow when you're waking up from a narcissist nightmare is going, wow, how long has this been going on? Like, how long have I been out? <laughs> you know, it's, it's so bizarre. So I think going no contact really gave me the ability to see life through a lens that was reality. Instead of a narc, I didn't have my narc glasses on. It's like when, when I was born, they just put these narc glasses on to make everything look normal. And then once I realized that, mm, not normal, and I took them off, I'm like, holy crap, what have I been living with? What have I been doing? What have I been allowing to exist in my life? So definitely the biggest mind screw of going no contact was also the biggest blessing as just ripping that band-aid off cold turkey and going here here's your life <laughs> you've been lied to this entire time now what are you going to do about it so then i go inward i chose to go inward and go you know what i want to make sure i have none of them left inside of me i don't want their negative speech in my head i don't want all the things they programmed me to be it is a freaking mind screw and in my experience my mom had started programming and I want to, I don't even know how, um, I don't even know how guilty or unguilty my dad was at this point because I don't know if he was also a narc or if he narked, he acted like a narc to survive my mom because that's a whole other thing. So I haven't really touched base and he's, he's passed away now, 
so I really can't um, put him under the same microscope because he's not around now for me to see. But um, yeah, so I recommend if you go cold turkey to really take the time to give yourself time to go inside of yourself and to vacuum out all the little nurk, nurk litter that they left behind. Make sure you are living your true identity and not the one that they built for you. Because nurks do that. They like to tell you who you are. They don't like to accept you as you are. They will retrain you slowly over time to serve a purpose in their life. So I had to go through and go, what purpose was my mom using me for? And then I had to go, does this line up with me who I really truly am? And you're not going to know right away. You're not. It's going to take some time. And it's the longer you're away, the more you're going to feel like your truer self. And the more you're going to start to see narc behavior in other people around you. It's just inevitable. And then if you're I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I don't know if it's like clinically normal, but I'm going to tell you, I feel like everybody is a narc until proven not a narc now because I'm so gun shy, so like terrified that I'm going to fall victim to another freaking narc. And so now I'm like, uh, but you don't want to let that turn you into a paranoid person. You don't want to turn it into like some sneaky narc behavior of your own where you just paint everybody with a big broad brush of narc. We have to also realize as humans, we all fall on the narc spectrum. Narcissism is on a spectrum and PD is on a spectrum. We all have narcissistic traits. People can have narcissistic traits, but not be a narcissist. So get that down. Don't get, don't get narcissist behavior patterns with a diagnosis of NPD, don't get those two lanes twisted because they're not the same. We all fall on the spectrum. We all have our own little idiosyncrasies that we do. We all have our bad habits that we do. We all have our little personality flaws that, you know, so please don't allow yourself to get tricked into just turning into one big ball of judgment and then painting everybody in it. Just constantly keep it in the back of your head. Hey, we all are on the spectrum. We all need to try to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. So that I do recommend you going in and you vacuuming up all the narc litter that they left inside of you. And then the third hardest thing I think going no contact was building my boundary and then defending it at all costs. And I mean, defend it <laughs> because you're going to need to. Because with the narcissist, you, one, the minute you set that bar boundary down, they're like, oh, hmm, why are they, why are they pulling away from me? Why are they restricting me? Why are they not allowing me to behave the way I've always behaved? So right then, their little narc flag is going to go up and go, hmm, have they seen my true self? Has my mask slipped? Oh my, 
They're going to know who I am. I better keep a closer eye on them. I better keep a tighter, tighter controls on them. And you'll feel it. The minute you don't accept an invitation from them, the minute you don't invite them over, the minute you go and do something and they're not included, the minute you don't return their call within five seconds, the minute you question them on anything they're doing, the minute they, they go, hey, what are you doing for the holidays? And you're like, I think I'm just going to stay home and do home. What? You can't do that. I'm going to come over and I'm going to make you a dinner and I'm going to, no, nope, that's okay. I don't really need you to do that. Nope. I'm good. Instantly, you better, they will double down. They will double down on their battering rams to, to bully over your boundaries. And you have to realize that you are your army. You are the only one who can stop them. Do not rely on other people to fight your battles. You are going to have to get used to saying no. And I saw a, um, a graphic thing come over like social media and it said, it is November. That means it is November. So take this month of November to practice saying no, no, no. No, 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 no. Just do it. Just get used to saying no. A healthy no. Don't just say no to be a jerk. <laughs> just to test it out. <laughs> but a healthy no. When when you don't feel like doing it, you feel like your boundaries being crossed. No. Say no. And also define your boundaries. Everybody has their own deal breakers. For me, once I realized the depth on and the insanity that my mom had been creating in my life for my entire life, I had no problem going, yeah, no, I'm a forgiving person. I have, um, as a follower of Christ, I practice forgiveness, but you people act like forgiveness is like, um, amnesia, honey, forgiveness is not amnesia. Forgiveness means I recognize the BS that you have brought into my life. I recognize the bad behavior you have, the ill treatment of me you have done. And you know what? I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to let it eat at me. I'm not going to let it take over my life. I'm not going to let it turn into hate and resentment and anger. I'm just going to go, you know what? I got your number. I know who you are. I know how you're wired. I know you have nothing good in mind for me, but I forgive you, but I'm also going to keep you far away from me because forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. You can forgive someone and learn and then go away, you know? And I think that that's where a lot of um, religions try to, it's counterproductive to surviving abuse where they, they just swap out um, forgiveness. And then they go, well, you should forgive them. Yes, I will forgive them, but I'm not going to also leave the door unlocked to my life and let them just keep coming back in and stabbing me. I'm not going to do that. That's a stupid decision. That is a stupid life choice. <laughs> I don't sleep at night with my doors unlocked. I'm not going to unlock the door to my life and just let my abuser slide in and stab me with their words and behavior at will because I'm forgiving them. That's not the same. So never let somebody tell you, you have to forgive them. Yeah, 
I do, at a spiritual level, recommend you forgive them because you don't need that baggage, honey. Look around. We got enough baggage going on in our lives. We don't need extra baggage. But do not let people guilt you into allowing your abuser to stay in your life under the fake umbrella of forgiveness. That's not the same thing. You can hold your boundaries, not allow yourself to be a walking mat, but also forgive them from a distance. Send them love, pray for them, whatever. Send them good vibes, send them good thoughts, whatever. That will that will behoove you in the end. But do not let anybody guilt you into going back and being a victim for a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time. That's just not the, the path I recommend for you. So holding my boundary was definitely the hardest. And I'm going to tell you a little snippet before I cut this episode, you know, before I wrap everything up, because I'm, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. So when I created a boundaries, um, with my mom, that is when she knew instinctively that I knew that her mask has indeed slipped and holy, holy crap. I, it was a trip. So, um, I will share that story with you on the other side of this, this little, um, instrumental break. All right. See you on the flip side. All right. So, when I started the process of going no contact, I really had no nothing to go off from. I just knew instinctively inside of myself that my life could not go on where I was at right now regarding my mom at that point. It was, I knew that I didn't want to rip off the band-aid through the holidays because I have two small kids. Well, small then, they were, what, five and six then. Now they're seven. Now they're eight and nine. (laughs) Um, So, you know, going from grandma being in our life, in their life every day, and me actually feeling like my mom was my best friend. Like she was the last person that I thought was going around and sabotaging and just berating and so many horrible things. I never once would have thought it was my mom, not once. So when I found that out, it was also a grieving period. I'll go through that in another time. But having lost my dad and knowing what grief feels like, I recognized it very, very quickly when I chose to sever ties with my mom. And I figured the best way to do it was fast. Um, without apology and very firm. So I struggled through the holidays for the sake of my kids to, um, because that it was close to the holidays when I found out, I want to say it was around, um, it was around October, November when my sister, I'll have to, I wrote it down, but I want to say it was before Thanksgiving. So it was definitely about this time of year when I found out and I thought, well, geez, we all, everybody, my sister and stuff, we were going to get together with my mom. And so that's when I found out. So then once my sister and I started talking and comparing notes, 
that also empowered me too to realize that once I started to compare notes with my sister and she was comparing notes with me and we had like 20 years of fog clear up and then we were left with what we thought was a, well our childhood experiences were entirely different that's another episode and topic entirely but with my mom I just had to bear and grin through the holidays and then as January hit I of the the next year and she was trying to um, get us to go together you know come on over just come over what are we gonna do for New Year's Day what are we gonna do everything was had to be planned ahead I had to have her at the helm she had to call all the shots she had to tell everybody what they were gonna eat she picked the time she would run the whole show and it reminds me if you've ever seen the show the Goldbergs there's a lot of Beverly I would say like my mom if I had to describe her type of covert narcissist she was like Aunt B off from the Mayberry whatever I remember growing up watching the Andy Griffith show and I'm 41 so I'm not I'm like right on that or I watched it when I would stay home from school and it would be like on you know daytime TV the old reruns and stuff so um, I, I would mix her with Marie off from Everyone Loves Raymond a dash of Beverly off for the Goldbergs and then um, also the aunt the aunt B or whatever like she would come across as this jolly happy rotund woman who oh love to cook for you and love to make you laugh and love to you know she was the furthest thing from a knife welding little gremlin that this woman turned into i'm telling you oh my goodness so what i didn't realize was like every three months my mom would pick a fight my husband actually pointed it out especially it really kicked it up after my dad passed away because i figured out when i figured out what supply was it was because she didn't have my dad around to feed off from so then she had to go outside of her house to feed off from people and guess what i was the next best thing so which she knew my husband would her his shift he would be on she would strategically pick a fight or come over and pick a fight and just start just over the most insane thing she would just start arguing with me with and I she had groomed me to fight back she had groomed me to be that person because I already have a strict right and wrong thread about my personality so I can't stand liars and she knows that and I can't stand controlling people and she knew that so she would come over start lying trying to control me knowing that those are my triggers and I was too ignorant to know what was going on so I, for years she had a really good trough within her, me but she would do it every three months you know why because on the in between she was doing it to my sister so she would keep us separate she would not let us supplies talk she would pit us against each other with that triangulation and then she would strategically feed off from us when nobody else was around to witness it and i would tell my husband you will not believe what my mother did today and you know what it, it's different when you're being told it than when you see it with your own eyes so that's where i'm going to share with you what happened the first time my husband saw the gremlin my mother's three to four personalities come out and that is when i made boundaries in my life so we were 
cooking dinner and the kids are at the dinner table, I had strategically been pushing off text messages from my mom for a good three weeks. Hey, are you going to come over? I want to come over. It's like the minute she sensed me starting to pull away from her, she doubled down on her text messages and she doubled down on her grip. She was gripping hard. She'd be like, oh, I'm going to just stop over. And I would text her back. Yeah, I don't think it's a good time to just stop over. I'm doing, um, because I homeschool, I'm like, I'm probably going to be downstairs and I probably won't hear you. So I, because this was new territory for me, I didn't know how to go no contact at first. So I was just slowly trying to shake her off my leg, like get off, get off my leg. So when that didn't work, she, she would text more, text more, text more, text more. And then it finally, the, the can got ripped off. The, the lid got ripped off the situation. I was just trying to make it as less painful for everybody involved, but slowly start to distance myself until I figured out when and how it was be a good time to just lay it on the line. But here's the tricky thing. They tell us not to tell the narc that they're a narc. That w- I wish I would have read that <laughs> before I told my mom I knew what she was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't do what I did. Don't go, don't tell the narc you know what they are. Because, yeah, you, uh, that's okay. So I'm just going to stop rambling. Sorry, I tend to do this. I just get storytelling and I, and so many different stories pop up in my head. So I apologize. I hope you have been able to ride the wave with me. So, all right. So I've been turning my mom, turning her away, turning her away for a good three weeks, just trying to give myself some distance, trying to act like a normal adult. I wasn't being passive with her. I was being a normal adult. I was saying, no, I'm busy. I got this. No, I can't. I got that. Narcissists don't like that. They like for you to drop everything that that you're doing and give them your ultimate, your ultimate undying attention. So after three weeks of strategically maneuvering my life oh, further and further away from her, she caught on. I feel like I'm going to cough. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a. I'm gonna have to take a drink break. One second. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> so, I was making dinner with my family, and we were in the dining room kitchen area, and my husband was at the oven stirring our meal. The kids were at the table playing, and I was setting the table, and <laughs> lo and behold. My husband looks out the window that goes over our sink and he goes, your mom is here. And I thought he was yanking my chain. I thought he was just trolling me because, you know, husband, he knew where I, he knew how to get a rise out of me, like playfully. We've known each other since we're like 16 and 18. So and we've worked two jobs together. We can get along as coworkers. We get along as friends. We get along as husband and wife. He has been a blessing for sure. So he goes, her mom's here. And I've said, whatever. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> and he goes, no, she is. And I'm like, oh, instantly I felt my blood just freeze in my veins. I felt like my heart fall down out my booty. I just like, it's go time. You know? <laughs> like, it was like, I just knew instinctively I had pushed 
and pushed and pushed this feed. This woman wanted to feed off from me like nobody's business. She wanted to just get her fangs into me. And I had pushed off the feeding, pushed off the feeding, pushed off the feeding. And now she was coming to my door. All right. So we let her in. (laughs) She's holding a cake. Now that is very, now that I know what I know about narcs, that makes a lot of sense. Narcs, especially coverts, love to be the victim. And they also love transactions. And then they also love adoration. So my mom bringing a cake was, she got like a threefer, you know? If everything went great, she was the amazing narc who brought the cake. If everything went sideways, poor, poor her. She made a cake to bring it to her daughter's house. And then that would be the story that she would live off from forever that would get her a good month of feeding off from her her flying monkey brigade so she had she was and then if it didn't if it if it kind of went good and kind of not went good she would be a very moderate like well i just came over and here's this cake you know like so either way she was going to get a feed it was going to be you know, negative or positive. And that's another thing you'll learn about narcissists. They don't care what type of a supply they get from you, whether it be negative energy or positive, they just want it and they don't care because they will fly the victim card, the victim flag, or they will fly their, I'm an amazing, look what I did flag. So, so she rolled in with this cake and and I know my mom and I'm a really good energy reader. I'm not, I don't want to be like one of those people that go, I'm an empath. I'm amazing. I feel all the world's vibes all at once. Oh no, but I can definitely pick up on energies, body language, vibes. You know, it's, it's a thing. Some people can do it. Some people don't. And I probably could do it more if I wasn't so freaking oblivious. (laughs) So, so my mom rolls in and I'm like, oh, it's on, it's on, it's on. She's here. Where, how's this going to go? And I thought, you know what? Honesty. Honesty is the best policy. Hold your ground. You've been educating yourself. Gray rock this woman until she leaves. So that's what I did. She sits down at the dinner table. My kids are playing. My husband sat down, was playing with them. They were trying to play mousetrap, I think, the game. They're cleaning it up because we're going to be eating dinner. And my mom just sits down and she's like, you can tell she just decided that she was just going to want to fight with us because how dare us hold her off for three weeks. She sits down, has this like little evil vibe, like, oh, what have you guys been doing without me? How, what have you been doing? How, why haven't you, you know, like this very indignant, condescending, arrogant swirl of, of vibes coming off from her. And she goes, what, why haven't you, um, oh, I said to her, I go, why are you just showing up at my house? I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And she goes, because I knew if I called or text you, you wouldn't let me come over. So right then she told, she showed me that this was planned. She knew darn well, I was holding my ground and holding my boundaries and she wasn't going to have it. So she admitted it right there. And I was like, well, you have been right because I would have told you not to come over because obviously, as you can see, we're eating and we're having a family night and it's nighttime and the kids are going to be getting in the tub. They're going to be going to bed. Why do we, why would I want company in the evening 
when we have our own family routine we do. Well, I'm your mother, and you guys told me that I am allowed to come over whenever I want to come over. I'm like, well, that was before we realized what you've been doing behind our back. That is before we realized who you really are. What do you mean? What do you mean who I really am? I'm like, well, I'm just going to tell you right now. We know that the jig is up. The jig is up, mom. The jig is up. And she goes, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, we have on good authority and multiple authorities that you have been going behind our back and telling everybody a bunch of lies. You have twisted our relationships, twisted our words, and then this is the last straw. And I will have to tell you the last straw of everything she did to us right at the very end, but that would make this episode extra, extra long. She goes, I have done nothing like that. I'm like, you know what? No, that's not true because we have talked to three separate people and they don't know each other and they all have come forward to tell us that you have been doing nothing but talking smack about us, talking smack about any area of our life, talking smack about our kids, talking smack about our, about everything. You have been lying about us like so bad. You, you are at the cause of everything chaotic in our life. And now that we have had people that we trust that do not know each other come forward and tell us the same story three times, I'm sorry, but that is all I need to know. And I didn't give them up. She goes, who's telling you this? Who's telling you? And I wouldn't tell her. And I'm still not going to pinpoint the people right now because maybe later. But so yeah, that's a thing. That's how I got the ball rolling. She immediately turned into a gremlin. She immediately stood up (laughs) when I wouldn't tell her who ratted her out. She stood up. She screamed at us. She pounded her table, my my dinner table, with her fist. My kids, they've never seen their grandma go off like this. They've never seen the side of her before. She immediately rose up grabbed her fist, started beating my table and screaming, I don't have to take this! This is America! I have rights! (laughs) So, I try not to laugh because this entire scenario is just crazy. There's a garbage man dumping garbage behind me. So, if you hear a big thunder, it's this big truck. So, yeah, it was was mind-boggling to see but she declared that we had no right to do this do what i have no idea push her out of her life tell her no all the above she yells at us yells at us that we have rights screams at the top of her lungs demands that we tell her who who told on her and we said you know what maybe you shouldn't be going around talking bad about people because then you don't have to worry about which one of them turns you in maybe that's not a good idea for you and she's like, I don't understand why you're doing this. I'm your mother. I'm like, you know why I'm doing this? Because I have found out that you are a narcissist and nothing I do or nothing I say is ever going to change that. You are who you are. And now I'm removing you from my life. I don't want you around anymore. I can't trust you. You don't love us. People who love people don't treat people the way that you have treated us. And she went off again. I am not a narcissist. I don't even know what that is. Well, you know, I should have never told her. Everybody says don't tell them. I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. So then she grabbed her bags. 
and flew off on her broom. <laughs> Gone. So that was the first time my boundaries were breached. She breached my boundaries a year later. It went a year with physical boundary breaking. I'll save that for next time. It was very crazy. So my husband sat there and I at one point just grinned when she was going at her craziest. I just held my composure. It, the old me she knew would have fired back. The old me that she programmed would have given her a run for her money. And I would have plowed over her and she would have been a victim and it would have been an ugly scene and there would have been yelling and screaming and cussing and all that. But thankfully, I had been baptized. <laughs> and that's why I said, I don't know how I would have handled this had I not had if you're if you're not familiar, but when you're baptized, I am I have accepted to be I accepted to follow the life of Christ. I follow the the teachings of Christ. And the teachings of Christ <laughs> does not say get up and scream and cuss and yell and you know, that is giving your enemy power over you. I just stood there, held my composure, felt the peace that passes understanding in my heart. And I'm telling you, until you live it, you don't know what it feels like to feel that peace in your heart, to feel this villain melting in front of you. And it has not has anything to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And that's what I realized at that point. And apparently a small grin came across my face where normally I would have went belligerent and just off the rails and gave her everything she wanted and gave her a really good feed. I didn't do any of that. And you know what ticked her off the most was that grin. I heard that she, any person that she talked to, just like, I went over to my daughter's house and all she did, and I told her how he felt, and she just gave me this evil little grin. And my husband was cracking up because we would hear this back from people that she was just going around doing the smear campaign. That's a thing that the narcissists do. And you know what? I didn't care. Let them. Let her talk. Let her lie. It's, it's, not, my, it's not my business. We have a choice to react to how people treat us or to give them the, the reaction that they want. And I chose, no, I'm not going to give you what you want from me. I'm not going to let you occupy that in my life. I'm not going to let you have free rent in my head. I'm not going to let you have free rent in my heart. I'm not going to let you dictate my behavior anymore. I am a new person. I have got my footing in my life and I am not letting you control me and my reactions anymore. And that felt so good. But you know what? I wouldn't have had that ability had I not pulled away had I not started no contact with her had I not got comfortable in my own skin in my own life making my own choices and how sad that a, a, a woman in her late 30s even has to try to advocate for her own freedom in her life but you know what I don't care how old you are if you have a narc in your life you are going to find yourself trying to advocate for your own freedom of choice freedom of life, freedom of freedom in general. They don't want you to be free. They want to own you. So I'm going to end this episode right there. I'm going to tell you, hold your boundaries, hold your guard. I'm talking, my mouth is going to dry. I'm yakking too long. Hold your guard, hold your boundaries, be your advocate, be your warrior, be the, the person to stick up for yourself. You don't have to scream. You don't have to yell. You don't have to cuss. You don't have to be a good 
feed session for them. Let their anger and ridiculousness roll off you. Like you are, like you have, you are wrapped in cellophane. (laughs) Just let it roll off. Let it all beat up and roll off you. It's not worth it. Your life, your peace, your serenity, that's worth it. All right. Take care. God bless. Hope you have a great week. And um, yeah, let me know if you uh, have experience, <laughs> have experience in going no contact. I'd be uh, happy to hear. And also, if you didn't know, you can leave me voice messages and I can play them on the show if you have any tips or advice that you want to share. There's a recording option. Oh, my alarm's going off. Time to pick my kids up. Have a great day. Bye.